morning. How's everybody doing? It's my turn to teach today, um, and I'm excited about that. Excited about what we have today. Um, at the end of the summer, um, Brian, Ron, and I sat down to talk about like where we were headed kind of this fall leading up to Christmas, and in doing so, Brian had spoken to several house churches, and we talked about how um, a lot of people, what was on their heart really was what does it look to live a life where we are fully surrendering, fully submitted, and fully sacrificing um, to Christ, to God. Um, and we wanted to explore that more, like what does it really look to fully submit, surrender, um, and sacrifice as a follower of Christ. So um, at that point, we decided um, that there was no better person to focus on than Jesus, um, to find the perfect example of what it really means to submit, surrender, and to sacrifice. Um, and in doing so today, I want to start out before I kind of tell you the area that we're talking about with a short video. The is called, How Do I Know? And a lot of times when people hear the phrase, how do I know, the next thing they say is, what? How do I know what? But the key really isn't to know what. The key is to know why. Because when you know your why, you have options on what your what can be. For instance, my why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. My what is stand-up comedy. My what is writing books. My what can be going out with some friends to eat. In fact, another what that has moved me towards my why is a, a web series that we have out now called Break Time. So every Wednesday at 3 o'clock, you should subscribe to the, to the channel. Uh, we do a series called Break Time on YouTube. So at 3 o'clock, we drop a new episode. One episode in particular I'm about to show you a clip to. We were in, uh, we in Winston-Salem. So break time, this is how it works. I travel the country. I do stand-up comedy probably an hour, hour and a half at an event. And in the middle of my show, I'll just sit down and start talking to the audience. And funny just happens. Or I'll meet somebody who's really interesting. So I met this one guy, and he said that he teaches music at a school. I was like, all right, you teach music, you know, um, can you sing? And then uh, I'm just going to show you the clip. Check it. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let, me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of, like, uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That brought a sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Uh, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid, I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick, if you know which version I'm talking about. Just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved. Like me. 
So here's the thing. The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time I asked him to sing, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what has more impact because you're walking in or towards your purpose. So today, um, I want to make the case that Jesus is the ultimate example of sacrifice, surrender, and submission because he knew his why. He knew that his purpose here on earth, in his own words in Luke chapter 19, was to seek and save the lost. And I think we've seen over the last few weeks the reoccurring theme with each one of these topics that it always comes back to that for Jesus. It always comes back that he's tr truly focused in on what he has to do. So today what we're going to do is we're looking at how, what it looks like to sacrifice, submit, and surrender when it comes to our possessions, okay, the things that we have. And when we know our why, and when our why aligns with God's purpose for us, knowing what to do with our possessions comes much more clear. I'd like to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 21. Jesus' words, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the words of Christ. I thank you that we have a very clear example um, of what you want and expect and what you desire from us um, here on earth. And Jesus, through his words and his actions, as we dig into what your word says today and the examples that it shows us, I just hope that there would be, uh, my prayers, that there would be a clarity to us that we would also realize that you don't always throw us all in the same box, but that you ask differently of different people. And I pray that your Holy Spirit, that has the power to individually speak to us today, um, would do so accordingly. In Christ's name, amen. So we're going to focus on Jesus and his possessions. And honestly, I could wrap up the sermon in a matter of a couple minutes, if that's all we were going to do. Um, because Jesus clearly did not find any treasure um, in his possessions. We have proof of that in a couple scriptures I'm going to throw up on the screen. Matthew chapter 8, verses 19 through 20, um, talk about a scribe that comes up to Jesus and says, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He also instructed his disciples to do the same that he did. In Luke chapter 9, verses 3 and 4, Jesus tells his disciples to take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not take two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. Now, obviously, don't think that you're getting out of here that quick, like we're, we're not done. 
But we could be done if we were only looking at Jesus' say actions and exactly what he tells people. But it's amazing as we look into especially the Gospels and the life of Jesus, how much he talks about the things that we have um, and, the t- and, the, and the things that we pursue and the things that we spend our time and energy on. Today we're going to focus in on three times uh, when Jesus interacted with real people, um, people like us that were in the middle of real life, and they were faced with decisions about surrendering their possession for God's purpose. The first story that we want to look at today or interaction is Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22, the story of the rich young ruler. And behold, a man came up to him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to them, him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Clearly, in this interaction between Jesus and this young rich man, we can easily tell that this man is storing up treasures on earth. And it's interesting, isn't it, that he immediately goes to the what, right? The rich young man immediately says, what good deed must I do? This makes it very obvious from the beginning that he did not understand the why. He did not understand that he did not have the power on his own to obtain eternal life. And Jesus knows this. Jesus knows the man's heart. He knew what he treasured most. And that's why he asked him to give up all of his possessions. Because he knew that's what was in his heart. Jesus made it clear that the true treasure was only found when you truly submit and surrender to following him. And this story has a sad ending, doesn't it? Because the rich young ruler decides to leave. He decides to keep his possessions as his treasure instead of Christ. Which is really where his heart's at. What he treasured most was where his heart was. Second interaction we want to look at today. The widow in Mark chapter 12. And he, Jesus again, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty 
has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. It's very obvious when we look at the widow that she is not putting her treasure or storing her treasures here on earth, but is storing up treasures in heaven. She's giving everything. And this is evidence that she understands the why. It's not about what she's giving, it's the why. Why she's doing it. Do think it's kind of interesting here that the Bible speaks so clearly about all we're supposed to do for widows and orphans. And here we have the widow that's actually being used by Jesus in this situation to teach everyone else. The least of these. Yesterday, um, Stephanie and I went down for like a college class through UD to Cincinnati, and it was held at the St. Vincent de Paul Center at West, in Weston, Cincinnati, over by the Rhine. Um, really impoverished neighborhoods and um, lots of people in there getting different things. And we were able to do a neighborhood walk um, with one of the ladies that volunteered at St. Vincent de Paul, um, where we walked around the neighborhood and kind of just looking at resources, um, not necessarily to walk around and feel sorry for people, but to walk around and see, like, this is really where people living or living. Um, and in doing so, we walked by the um, Seven Hills Boys and Girls Club um, that is servicing the neighborhoods around there for kids. And the girl that was leading us said that one of the kind of heartbreaking things, it's a good thing, but it's kind of heartbreaking, is she said a lot of the people that are volunteering at the Seven Hills Boys and Girls Center are people that really can't afford to volunteer. That they, are the, they, they need to be out like working. They need to be out like making a living for their family. But because they feel, obviously, led to give of their time and their energy, that they choose to volunteer there, even though they really don't have that time to give. God does not measure the size of the giving by the gift, um, but how sincere and selfless the heart is that gives the gift. Um, it's, it's about our heart. It's about our heart. So in, in doing this, you know, I thought like, how many times have I actually seen someone give as the widow gave? where that person gave everything they had. Totally trusting God as their provider. Um, and Stephanie has shared this story with me um, several times. She's actually going to come down and share it. Um, but Stephanie went to, on a trip to Africa in 2011. Um, and while she was there, we have a few pictures that you're going to, um, we're going to use to to kind of explain a situation where she saw um, a person giving all that they had. Um, like Kevin said, I had the opportunity to go to Africa in 2011, which was amazing. I got to go for two weeks, a week to Uganda and a week to, a week to Kenya. And um, during my week in Uganda, we got to visit Amazema, which a lot of you may be familiar with Amazema. It's Katie Davis. 
you know, Kisses from Kate, I think, is the book that she wrote, and she has an amazing story, and I mean, her story is one definitely of sacrifice. She was an 18-year-old girl who decided to go to Africa and um, teach for a year, ended up going back, giving up. I think her family was pretty well off. She had a little convertible, and she had all kinds of things, and she gave it all up and went to Africa and um, started Amazama Ministries there. By the time she was 23, she had adopted 13 girls. So um, it was an amazing experience just to get to meet her and talk to her. And, and uh, her dad happened to be there. He only comes once a year, I think, and her brother. So that was really cool and getting to see the facilities. And I mean, it was just um, special to get to go and, and do that. But that was definitely not the most special moment of that day. Um, I saw very, uh, lots, of, lots of cool stuff. But the thing that hit me the most was um, so this ministry that she started, Amazama, sponsors kids, and hundreds of kids get sponsored. And part of that program is once a week they come um, to this facility and they get, we, get, we have to worship with the kids. That was pretty awesome. And then they feed them. They get a bowl with rice and beans and chicken in it, which is a feast for them. I mean, it's just, um, it was fun. We got to sit and eat with them and um, things like that. So this is once a week. That's all they get once a week. And that's what it looks like because they eat it with their hands. So <laughs> that's why it looks like it does. Um, and so my heart was broken, though, because as cool as it was that all these kids were getting to eat, I looked over, and um, on the other side of the fence were kids that weren't part of the program. <laughs> and it broke my heart. They were sitting by the tree and just looking, cause, and they had nothing nothing at all and it was heartbreaking and I couldn't help but notice and I kept looking and then the coolest most amazing thing happened these orphans who have nothing gathered up food from their bowls and took it over to the fence and gave it to the kids on the other side of the fence though they got to eat once a week there and so to me it was just such a beautiful picture of kind of like the widow and the story of um, giving everything and giving with a, a selfless heart so Our third story, Zacchaeus, Luke chapter 19. He entered Jericho and was passing through again, Jesus. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on the account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they, the people, saw it, saw it they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. 
It's interesting here that Jesus actually pursues Zacchaeus by calling him by name. Instead of, um, and insists on going to him house, onto his house. Um, before this encounter, we can assume that Jesus and Zacchaeus had not had contact with each other. Zacchaeus' heart is transformed, we see. So in our, first, in our first story, we see a man who is not transformed, right? In our second story, we see a woman who is clearly doing what she is supposed to be doing, and she understands the why. And in this case, we see an individual that doesn't understand the why in the beginning, but is actually transformed, which is the work of God. Before this heart change in Zacchaeus, we can probably believe that Zacchaeus' why was to seek status and security through storing up treasures on earth. We know that tax collectors in biblical times would add more on to the taxes than they really were supposed to be collecting so they could skim profit off the top. That's how they became very wealthy. And everybody knew what was going on. That's why the people don't like the fact that Jesus is going there to, to dine with him and to hang out. But we see that Zacchaeus' why is transformed after the decision to follow Christ. Because of his decision to follow Jesus, his what changes. And he now plans to do what? He's going to give half of his goods to the poor, and he's going to repay anyone that he's cheated out of money back fourfold. At this point in time, Zacchaeus changes from storing up treasures on earth to storing up treasures in heaven. It's interesting the response of the people as well, doesn't it? The people respond by saying what? They don't understand why Jesus is going to hang out with sinners. They don't really get the why. They don't really get the why. So, in looking at these three stories and Jesus' response and his words in these stories, do we think that God really expects us to sell everything and give the money to the poor? He could. Does God expect us to give half of our stuff away like Zacchaeus to the poor and needy? He might. Is he going to ask the same thing of everyone? Obviously not. He did not even ask the same of the examples in the story. But what God is really interested in is not necessarily what we're giving, but the motivation of our heart. Because he doesn't need our money, he doesn't need our resources, he doesn't need our time, he doesn't need our stuff. But what God asks is that we give in order to make him number one. That's the why. To treasure him above all else. Now, I do think that God does care about what we do. But he's more interested in why we do it. Going back to the verse we looked at in the beginning of Matthew chapter 6. Again, the words of Jesus, 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures, where? In heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I have some questions for myself as I work through this because there's a lot here in being obedient to what God calls us to do. And like we said, it doesn't look the same for everyone. So we can't throw out a mold and say, here's what you have to do. Again, what I say there, what we have to do. But the why. If, if my true pursuit is to glorify and bring honor to God and draw closer to him, that should motivate my what? Question number one for myself today. What is it that I treasure the most? I don't necessarily like all these questions, by the way. Am I willing to be obedient when God asks me to give sacrificially? Do I fully trust God as the woman, as my provider? And the last question I have for myself today is, do I treasure God above all else? All else. Let's pray. Dear God, we pray that our lives would reflect that we do treasure you above all else. A lot of times we give the lip service and we talk the talk, but sometimes it's hard because whether it's a control issue on our own, we fail to trust you. And I pray that we would trust you as a God that is going to provide for us, is going to take care for us in a way that you know what is best for us. And I pray that when we are looking at things in life that we should be doing, that we know that you're asking us to do, that we would see the why, that we would understand that a God who loves us chooses to use us, chooses to allow us to be a part of his plan, and that our why needs to bring, be to bring glory and honor to you as a loving father. In Christ's name, amen.